Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to GTO Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host, and I am very happy to be back with you this week. How are you? How's it going out there? I listen to a variety of other podcasts and uh, off and on, and um, like everybody, you know, our time is uh, sometimes at a premium. Um, and I was listening to Mark Marin, uh, WTF with Mark Marin, um, which is one of the, you know, it's one of the podcasts that's been around the longest. And so if you've, if you've never checked it out, he's a, he's an excellent uh, interviewer and has on all kinds of interesting guests and he keeps us updated on his life, um, which I'm always happy to hear about. And he was um, keeping us updated on his sauerkraut journey. So he makes sauerkraut and he would make a new batch or try a new recipe and tell us about it. And um, I was listening to him and he was talking about his sauerkraut and he said, well, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? How exciting is your life? I'm, I'm making sauerkraut. And so sometimes when I'm, um, you know, looking at life and the repetition of life, because life certainly uh, everybody's life, human life. And even when I think about, you know, our animal friends and what kind of what their day is made up of, there is a ton of repetition in life. And so uh, sometimes I just say to myself, well, we're all just making sauerkraut <laughs> to some degree, you know, whatever we're doing in our life uh, is maybe not that different from what we did the day before. And that is okay. That is okay. Um, because while humans need newness and novelty, we do, um, in order to keep us engaged, um, to a certain degree, repetition is what is what life is. And I was, uh, I was reading a book recently, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that book today when we get into our topic, but, um, one of the lines in it is, and I wrote it down, uh, wrote it down where I could see it. It is, um, resistance to repetition is ultimately a resistance to life. Well, I might have a little resistance to repetition and I don't want to have resistance to life. So I'm, uh, I'm seeing what I can do to sort of change that perspective a little bit. Uh, so today we're going to talk about what are you feeding? What are you feeding? Um, and I want to start by just talking about comparison, which, you know, that is, um, there's, there's a variety of quotes about that. Um, I'll just paraphrase, but one of them is that it is the killer of joy. Comparison is the killer of joy, um, which is, I think, absolutely true. And sometimes when we think about comparison, we think about comparing ourselves to someone else or comparing our life to the way that we perceive someone else's life, because we never really know uh, what's going on in in somebody else's life? We we know what we see, but we don't know what it's like like to live that life. So maybe we compare our life to their life, or our body to their body, or um, the way we're aging to the way they're aging, or you know any number of things that can make us either feel less than, not as good as, um, or can make us feel better than, 
um, somebody else, all of which is an illusion. It's all ultimately pretty, pretty poisonous. But that's, that is a, a level of comparison that we can pretty well at least notice and see that it's happening and potentially even notice the change that happens in our minds and our bodies when we start to do that level of comparison. But there's another kind of comparison that for me is more subtle and insidious and a little bit harder to pick up on because it tends to be so ever present. So that is the belief that the present moment should be different. And sometimes that's something that we feel or have a thought about that is so quiet and it just whispers to us that, well, you shouldn't feel, you shouldn't feel okay. You shouldn't feel satisfied. Things are not, things are not, things are not okay. Things should be different. Things should be better. This is very much the way that we are conditioned as human beings to believe that the the present moment as it is should be different or that the way we are in the present moment should be different. So when you're in the present, when you're in life and not in your head, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with life. And there's never actually anything wrong. We're conditioned to analyze things and label them and put them into categories of good or bad or wrong or right. But again, that's something we do and that we're conditioned to do, but it suggests that it's conditioning. It's something we do in our heads. We're conditioned to judge that, that, that there is um, something wrong and it takes us out of the moment and it ultimately feeds self-hate, right? Because self-hate is what comes in and says, this is not right. This is not acceptable. You're not right. You're not acceptable. You should be different and things should be different. And there we are feeling unsatisfied or upset. Our thoughts tend to take us into the past and bring up memories that we entertain and fill in because to a certain degree, we don't remember all the details and those details that we don't remember our brains fill in and that becomes our memory. But it, again, it's in the past. Um, so we're in our minds conjuring up something from the past and creating new, new things about it. And we're also ingraining it, um, which might be okay, depending upon what the memory is, but it also might be creating pain. And at the very least, it's taking us out of the present moment. Our thoughts also can tend to take um, that past and apply it to the future and create a worry or um, a belief that something might happen or a longing for something to happen that's different from current life. And so um, often there's anxiety that is uh, triggered when we do that and that and it floods our body and makes those thoughts seem quite real when in reality, we are conjuring up future possibilities that are created in our minds. So it's important to practice letting go of the conditioning that teaches us to label things um, and accept only those things that we label as good or successful or pleasant, and then to reject things that we label as bad or failures or unpleasant. 
um, we can see and feel the truth of something for us if we are not listening to those voices, if we're noticing them and seeing that they're there and choosing to ignore them, basically, we can then feel and hear our own truth and we can apply compassion and acceptance and love to ourselves. And we can also make decisions from a place of love and self-respect. If those thoughts that are taking us out of the present, that are comparing the present to an imagined present that should be different, it's difficult to really hear yourself, to be connected to your intuition, to think through a decision and center yourself and compassion for yourself and your, your, your purpose and all the things that you know to be true that can be done when the the voice of comparison is quieted in the present moment the now of life there's no need for anesthesia because there is no suffering suffering occurs when we take ourselves out of the present life and tell ourselves that there is something wrong with it and that there's something wrong with us Now, I find um, as someone who practices self-love and practices being in the present, because I know that that is where love and compassion and joy live, that this is constant for me. This is constant. I'm, I'm forever being pulled away from the present moment and having my body flooded with anxiety and finding myself in thoughts that have nothing to do with what is current and what is real. And so I'm always practicing. And um, that's kind of, you know, yes, it's about what we're feeding today, but also um, the theme of many of the things that we talk about on the show is that the practice is the point. It's not really the outcome of something. So I can, I can focus on, for instance, what I just said. So I can focus on, well, I don't ever want to feel that. And I don't, I don't want to be flooded with anxiety and what's wrong with me that my mind is off uh, on this tangent and all it's doing over there is causing me to suffer. Um, So I can be, I can be pulled down that road, which is ultimately beating myself up. I'm beating myself up for being a human being um, and for engaging in what is, you know, the common human condition, or I can notice what's happening and practice notice what's happening and practice coming back to the present moment. So as I was reading a new book, um, and it is called, I don't want to, I don't feel like it. And the tagline is how resistance controls your life and what to do about it. So that might kind of give you an idea of what I'm working on right now. I'm just going to tell you that title again. I don't want to, I don't feel like it. And it's by Sherry Huber and Ashwini Narayanan. Um, and as I mentioned last week or the week prior, actually, as I mentioned the week prior, when I was telling you about the fear book, um, also by Sherry Huber, um, small, but mighty, um, which is kind of how I view these books. They, they look simple and they're, they're pretty quick reads or quick listens. And my goodness, they're quite dense. 
So as I'm, as I'm diving into my own resistance um, and my own practices, um, I picked up this book and I wanted to just read you uh, a quick passage and it's, it's toward the back in the exercises because I'm, I'm going to be demonstrating a particular practice today. Um, and as I was formulating this show and reading the book, this, this exercise popped up and I thought, well, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted to talk about. And it's called feeding the good wolf. I'm going to just read you this story. An old Cherokee is teaching her grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me. She said to the boy, it is a terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil. It is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, shame, and fear. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, gratitude, compassion, and trust. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person. The grandson thought about it for a minute and asked, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee smiled and quietly said, the one you feed. So that is why we are talking about what we're feeding today. Are we feeding the good wolf or the evil wolf? Because of course, we all have that inside of us. And I I decided to use uh, my own life to demonstrate how I am practicing feeding the good wolf versus feeding the evil wolf. Um, And also to demonstrate that it is a practice for all of us and that the practice is the point. So we're not actually trying to get to a destination. We're not trying to get to this place where we say, okay, I'm done. I'm done. And I don't have to do this anymore. We are simply trying to get to a place where the practice is the point where we're committed to our practice. We're devoted to our practice and we have ways of bringing ourselves back into the present and feeding the good wolf. Um, Because all those descriptors that I read to you, the one of the evil wolf um, and the ones of the good wolf, my goodness. I mean, I would much rather hang out with, I would much rather hang out with the good wolf. And because these are my thoughts, these are my wolves and I'm in charge of feeding them, then I'm in charge of feeding them, right? I'm going to choose And I'm saying when I choose, I'm choosing in every moment. I'm having to choose in every single moment. What am I feeding? So I'm going to use my recent breakup as an example. Um, And if you have not been listening to the show or you don't listen all the time, I'll give you a quick summary. Um, I was in a relationship for about 14 months um, with a Turkish gentleman and I moved to, I moved to Malta. Um, I wanted to move to Malta and I also was in love. And so I moved to uh, Malta. Um, we moved in together and, and got an apartment together. Um, it was wonderful in the beginning, um, partly long distance and partly together in Malta, because I would be here in the U S for part of the time. And we would talk every day and video chat every day. And, 
you know, kind of build our connection um, during during the um, long distance portion. And then I would go to Malta and we would be together for several months um, and building our life together there. And as the relationship went on, it did start to change. His situation changed. Um, and as his situation changed and became uh, challenging in terms of his employment and and finances and his ability to stay in the country, which is tied to his employment. Um, he just, um, he, he, he changed and he became, um, what appeared to me to be quite unhappy. And I became quite unhappy ultimately. And I chose the most compassionate thing. It wasn't the easy, it wasn't the easy thing. None of it was easy. Uh, the most compassionate choice for me was to end the relationship and to, you know, store my things in Malta. Um, I do want to return to Malta. And so to, you know, find a different place to return to and to come back to uh, the U S on schedule, um, but having ended the relationship. So, okay. So I'm going to give you an idea of this conversation, which is basically what it is. Okay. It's a conversation that I'm having um, or that my conditioned mind, let's say, um, because we can say I'm having, and then all of a sudden it feels like it's really you in actuality, it's conditioned mind, it's conditioned thinking. So uh, my conditioned mind is having a conversation and that conversation can feed the evil wolf or it can feed the good wolf. So I'm going to give you an idea of what that looks like um, and how I kind of bounce back and forth and notice that I'm feeding the evil wolf and, and then um, come back over and uh, feed the good wolf. So in terms of the evil wolf, um, it would sound something like, oh, you're uncomfortable. Maybe you made the wrong decision. This feels crappy. You better do something to fix it and make these uncomfortable thoughts and sensations go away, which is ultimately the illusion of control. We, we, we kind of delude ourselves into thinking that this discomfort, we can control it. We can do certain things to make it go away. In actual, in actual fact, we're human and we're going to be uncomfortable in a variety of ways throughout our day. So in terms of the good wolf, um, I would say you made the most compassionate decision for yourself. And in the present, everything is fine. There is nothing wrong. Discomfort is not an emergency. And it's to be expected given your recent breakup. So that would be something that maybe somebody who loves me might say to me, right? So that's one of the ways that you can frame the way that you feed the good wolf. What would you say to someone you love who is going through what you're going through? What would you want someone to say to you in order to support you? That can inform the way that you feed your good wolf and what you say to yourself. So in terms of feeding the evil wolf, I might say, um, or my conditioned voice might say, maybe you'll feel better if you check in with him. If you just see his face and hear his voice and, you know, just confirm that he's okay. And then to the good wolf, I say, this discomfort feels a lot like withdrawal. And you've withdrawn from many substances and behavior patterns. And you know 
that breaking your abstinence, which is basically treating the withdrawal with the very thing from which you are withdrawing, is a U-turn in the middle of the tunnel. So I characterize going through something challenging where there are a variety of thoughts and sensations that we as humans label as uncomfortable um, and things that we would like to avoid. I characterize it as being in a tunnel because if you stick with it and you stick with the process and the practice, you will pop out of the tunnel on the other side into the light. And if you make a U-turn, the tunnel's still waiting. I mean, you can try to go around, you can try to find another way to get to where you're going, but generally speaking, you're going to have to go through the tunnel again. And, um, you know, it's uncomfortable. So I would prefer to just stick with it. So I just remind myself that, remind myself that um, the most compassionate choice is to just stick with it. So the evil wolf, I would say, uh, conditioned voice would say, this feels like crap. I don't want to feel like this. I need to do something to make these thoughts and these feelings go away. And then typically I would reach for some kind of anesthesia or some type of distraction, which will further keep me out of life now. Because in engaging with these thoughts and sensations, as if they are the point, as if they are the now, I'm taking myself out of the now, which is the same thing that reaching for anesthesia does. And so to the good wolf, I would say, you know, you've withdrawn from many things and you know how to do this and you know that you will pop out into the light. Don't quit five minutes before the miracle. Return to life now where everything is as it's meant to be. So one of the mantras I use is everything is as it's meant to be. And it reminds me that if I stay in the present moment and I observe what is in the present moment with gratitude, I find so much that is completely fine, completely fine. And beyond that, if I simply engage in what I'm doing, whatever it was I was doing right before um, this conversation began to be had, where I'm either feeding a uh, conditioned mind is either feeding the evil wolf or feeding the good wolf. Neither of those things are really in the now. So let's say I'm, let's say I'm writing, let's say I'm sitting at my computer and I'm writing. That's, that's what I'm doing. That's the now. And then, and then I begin to have a thought. And then I, I feel some sensations and I start to be uncomfortable and start to hurt. And then I begin to have this conversation with the wolves. Okay. So um, back to the evil wolf, as I'm you know being pulled off in this direction, um, uh, my conditioned mind would say to the evil wolf, he can be, you know, but he can be so sweet and funny and, and he's fun to be with and He's fun to tease and we laughed and, and we were so blah, blah, blah. And the relationship was blah, blah, blah. And so we, when you hear that, when I hear that, it's not about the now. It was about the past. It was about some experiences that I had in the past. And it's kind of cherry picking those memories and experiences from the parts of the relationship that were 
pleasurable and that met my needs, right? Which is compelling. Those are the things that kind of pull us along when we find ourselves in a situation in a relationship that isn't doing that anymore. We, we sometimes hold on to what it was in hopes that what it was will come back again. And then when I move over um, and I tell the compassionate truth to the good wolf, I say, you did not feel loved. You did not feel valued. You didn't feel respected. You felt lonely and ignored. And in the end, you felt drained and unhappy. And it's nobody's fault. And there is no one to blame. That was simply your experience. So when I'm feeding the evil wolf in that way, you know, it's sort of like standing in the sun and flying a kite and just letting it carry me off into the sky where I encounter a rainbow and slide it down into a pot of gold. (laughs) That's what those memories and these ideas and these imagined Um, kind of these imagined memories are and these hopes for what could be in the future, they are ultimately, yeah, those memories existed, but they aren't, they aren't the now and they, they aren't the real picture, the whole picture of what I experienced. They're cherry picked because in, in the totality of the experience, there are no kites or rainbows over there. The kites and the rainbows are really in the now but I can't see them. I can't fly the kite or slide down the rainbow that's in the now, unless I am also in the now and not in my head. And then, um, you know, another thought that I sometimes have is uh, that, that the, that feeds the evil wolf is crap. You're single again. Oh man. (laughs) And then when the voice feeds the good wolf, it says you're free. There are no deficits. Everything is as it is meant to be. All right, we're coming up on a break. You're listening to Freedom for Humans, and we will be right back. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Bright Horizons College Coach, a team of former admissions and financial aid officers, the show takes a deep dive on subjects such as choosing the best essay topic, negotiating merit aid, and navigating the common app. Listeners will learn what really goes into college acceptance decisions from the experts who used to make them. New episodes drop Thursdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host. And today we're talking about what are you feeding? And before the break, I was just walking you through this, basically this conversation that we have, the conditioned mind has with the good wolf and the bad wolf and how that informs our experience of life. And so before the break, I was just ruminating uh, between the good wolf and the bad wolf on, um, you know, when you find yourself to be single. So if you're somebody who is currently single, is is going through a breakup, is knowing that you need to go through a breakup. And one of the things that is maybe keeping you from making the change is this idea that you would rather be in something, even if it's not so great versus being single. Mm. So yeah, let's, let's break down that conversation. Right. And, and, and ask ourselves, well, who, which wolf am I feeding? If I say, for instance, oh my God, you're going to have to go through the whole process of meeting new people and going on first dates and getting to know them. And you're going to have to have sex with somebody new. And what if it's bad? And, and what if they show you one thing in the beginning and then they turn into something else? I mean, you can feed that evil wolf for days with fear and anxiety and taking the past, like I mentioned in the beginning, taking memories of the past or experiences from the past and morphing them into anxieties about the future, none of which are real. None of them, none of that is, is real current life. So instead of saying, oh my God, you're going to have to go blah, blah, blah. I could say meeting someone in the future will be a great adventure. One of the things that Sherry says, um, Sherry and Ashwini say in um, the book that I mentioned, which is, I don't want to, I don't feel like it, um, is that life should be viewed as a great adventure. So that's also something that I use when I find myself feeling a little mm, blue or like I have that little gray cloud of anxiety or comparison, that gray cloud of, ugh things should be different than what they are. I think, you know, life can be viewed as a great adventure and I can be in it right now in life, not in my head, not feeding the evil wolf, but in life, doing life and open to the adventure of it. All right. Continuing with this example um, of the breakup of my relationship, I might say to the evil wolf, you miss him. You better do something about that. Either get in touch with him or find someone new. Maybe you should just find someone new to fill this void and treat this discomfort. And then to the good wolf, you miss him. And that is fine. Allow yourself to miss him and do nothing about it other than let the pain of it flow through you and direct your attention to the now. Because one of the truths is that we are what we pay attention to. So remember, we experience life mostly with our minds. And so what we are paying attention to with our minds 
makes up our experience of life, makes up what we are. So if we are telling ourselves negative things, or if we are feeding the evil wolf, think about those descriptors that I, that I talked about. Anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, shame, and fear. Oof. Okay. Well, I would like to not feed that wolf because when in the story, when the grandchild asks, well, which wolf will win? And the Cherokee woman says, whichever one you feed, I don't want that wolf to win. And I don't want to feed that wolf so much. Okay. And then lastly, um, when I'm, when conditioned voices is, is um, dancing around with the evil wolf, it says from my empath, it says, maybe he's hurting. Maybe he didn't understand you when you explained what you needed and ultimately why you couldn't stay in the relationship. Maybe he thinks you didn't love him or that your commitment was a lie. Maybe you're the bad guy in this story. You better do some damage control and make sure he's okay. And then I turn toward myself and toward the good wolf. And I say, hmm, you find yourself empathizing with the discomfort that you imagine he is experiencing, that you imagine he is experiencing. You are a kind and compassionate person. Direct that compassion to yourself. It is you that is hurting. It is you that needs to be checked in with. It is you that needs support and kindness and love. And, and generally speaking, that's almost always the case. So when you're, when you find yourself drawn toward wanting to check in with and ultimately influence the feelings or the experience of someone else and the feelings or experience are something you are imagining that person is having, pause and check in with yourself because perhaps it's really you that needs that attention. And perhaps it is about feeding the good wolf and also returning to the now of life and not the life that is lived only in your mind. So this conversation between conditioned mind and good wolf and bad wolf is ultimately what it is. It's a conversation because there's nothing to do, but live in the acceptance of the moment and engage in life. But when we're having a conversation, particularly with the evil wolf, it really conjures up a big to-do list of things that need to be addressed and changed. So I have another, um, I have another example for you. I wasn't sure if we would have time for it, but it looks like we do. I'm going to try to zip right through it. Uh, I've talked to you about my, my health, my health, um, and the various conditions I have that make it so that I, I have to kind of structure my life around trying to avoid a bathroom emergency. When I owned, um, I owned a couple of test tattoo studios and there was an artist that worked at one of my studios for a while and, and her partner had uh, Crohn's, which I also have. 
And I will mention, um, if you are somebody who has Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, I just want to mention that my Crohn's is well, it's well managed with diet. So um, grain-free, sugar-free, low lactose um, has been really life-changing in terms of not having a Crohn's flare. And so just an aside, if you're thinking, ugh, that it's called the specific carbohydrate diet. If you're thinking, oh man, that Crohn's and colitis diet seems really hard. I mean, it can be initially to eliminate certain foods that you might eat regularly and you do have to give it some time because the bowel is slow to injure and slow to heal. But I can tell you from many, many years of experience that leaving those foods out um, has made, you know, a huge difference in um, my, uh, what I'm going to call pooty storm experiences. So to get back to my my anecdote um, about my artist whose partner also had Crohn's when he would have a flare, which was typically connected to nerves, anxiety, nerves, being in a new situation um, where there's nervousness, they would call it a pooty storm, which would send him to send him to the bathroom. So, um, you know, I have Crohn's and I had gallbladder disease. So I had my gallbladder removed and that caused um, some, some issues with um, diarrhea called dumping syndrome. And then I had anal cancer and the radiation hit my bowel and it kind of ulcerated the same spot where the Crohn's tends to live. And then also that part of my body was radiated. So um, if I do have a pooty storm, the chances of me being able to hold it in because the, um, my, my anal area and my rectum and all that have been radiated. Um, so the muscle is less pliable. So even if I'm squeezing with all my might, uh, I can't necessarily, there's really nothing I can, nothing I can do, um, when I have to go. So, okay. In case you're new to the show, um, that's my situation. And so when I refer to a pooty storm, I'm referring to, um, basically having a, having a major bathroom emergency. And in this case in public. So, um, I'm going to apply this same principle to a recent experience I had. Um, I went for a walk, my usual walk. Um, and I had a pooty storm. Yep. I pooped my pants on my walk. Now I can say I went for my usual walk and I pooped my pants, which is true. I can also say I went for my usual walk and I had a massive blowout and I shit my pants down to my ankles. Now that's also true, (laughs) but one has a certain impact and the other does not. And that I just wanted to uh, demonstrate in terms of compassionate honesty Um, But the way we talk about something actually matters. It matters to us, not just to other people. Um, Because yeah, I love to tell a story and I love wonderful descriptive language. But when we're talking about something that could be traumatic to me and that could generate a a painful memory that has a holdover um, that kind of harms me, uh, adding those descriptors and and hyperbole and and all that is, is actually not helpful to me. So I'm going to go the other direction this time because I didn't have a ton of conversation with the evil wolf as I was moving through this, this pooty storm. So I'm going to tell you the conversation I had with, with the good wolf, um, you know, the conversation that my conditioned mind um, had as I was moving through this experience. And then I will juxtapose it with what the conversation that I would have been having with the evil wolf because it is a conversation I've had a number of times because I've been dealing with um, booty storms 
gosh. Mm. Well, since my twenties, actually, I, I had gallbladder disease when I was 20. And so, um, before we even discovered that it was gallbladder disease, I was having some flares and some, some challenges. So gosh, it's been over 30 years, over 30 years that I've been, um, managing myself around, uh, bathroom issues and, um, about every decade or so something has happened that has exacerbated it. Um, and so, so I've had a lot of practice. Um, with the, uh, feeding the good wolf versus feeding the evil wolf. So, okay. I'm out for my walk. Um, I'm here at my mom's, uh, in on the Oregon coast. And I have a regular route here with some nice steep hills and stuff like that. And I get not too far, um, not too far away from home. And, um, I say to myself, uh, Oh, it feels like I need to poop. Yep. I do. Hmm. There's nowhere around here that would provide enough cover for me to go. Oh, okay. I better turn back home. Oh, I'm grateful. I'm not further into my walk. So that was, um, that was actually what I said to myself. Now, um, what I could have said, I could have said, no, this is not happening. No, maybe if I squeeze hard enough and engage every muscle in my body, I can keep this from happening. This can't happen. No. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Cause I've said that many, many times and I can, uh, I'm here to attest to the fact that it actually does not help, does not help the situation. The situation is what it is. The way we talk to ourselves and work through the situation does make a difference. So then uh, it happened. It happened. Okay. Cause I could feel it coming. And of course, you know, I'm hoping that it doesn't happen, but it did. It happened. And I say, Hmm, okay, well that happened. Maybe that's it. Maybe I can make it back before anything else, before anything else happens, basically before it gets worse. Now, on the other side, I could have been saying, this cannot be happening. No, 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 no. Which in the past would have caused sweating and shaking and panicking and fear and terror and horror and embarrassment. Again, not helpful because I'm having the experience I'm having and inundating myself with, with those kinds of thoughts and feeding the evil wolf is not going to help me to work through it. So it comes again. So I had said to myself, okay, well, oh, oh, okay. It happened. Well, it's not great, but maybe, maybe that'll all, that's all though that there will be. Well, that was not all that was not all there was to be. So here it comes again and again. And I say, okay, I, I see this situation for what it is. There's nothing to do but think through the shortest way home and how I'm going to manage once I get there. And I began to make a plan as I'm having waves of pooty storm hit me. Now I could have been saying, I can't believe this. Oh my God. It just keeps coming and coming in waves of literal shit. Why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. No, 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 no. But I didn't do that to myself this time because again, it doesn't help. So then I say, Hmm, it's soaking my tights. I can feel them saturating down toward my knees, up past my knees, down toward my ankles. And then I start to make a plan for once I'm home because it is going all the way down my legs. And I, I choose in that moment to be grateful that I'm wearing tights down to my ankles. Truly. I was, I'm like, Whoa, glad I'm not wearing shorts. Glad I'm at least wearing tights. Alternately, I could have said, no way. 
this is one of the worst episodes I've ever had after all these years of dealing with this and planning around it and doing everything possible to avoid a public pooty storm that's happening anyway. God damn it. Can't believe this is my life. But I didn't. I just didn't bother with any of that. And as I was making my plan, I knew that my mom was going out for the evening. She was home when I left, but you know, I kind of checked the time and I thought, well, maybe she'll be, maybe she'll be gone uh, for the evening because ultimately it would be better for me to have the house to myself to address this issue. Um, and, and as I choose my, I choose the most direct path, um, back home where I can kind of get there the quickest, I see that she's backing out. And I decide in that moment that the best choice for me is to just wave is to just kind of give a neutral smile and wave because it was better for me to focus on getting through the experience and not to stop and tell her what was going on. Um, Now conditioned mind feeding the evil wolf did sort of um, chat away and say something along the lines of, if you don't tell her what's happening, how are you going to explain later why you didn't say anything? And doesn't seem right to fake smile and pretend like everything is fine when everything is not fine. What are you doing? Well, I made the most compassionate choice for me, which was to not talk about it in that moment and to stay on task, stay on task to get where I needed to go. So I've already thought through the most direct path to the bathroom because I have access to my mind. And my mom's carpet is light. And if I come in the front door, I'm going to have to go across the carpet and I can literally feel um, the poo kind of going down toward my ankles. And I'm obviously wanting to save the rug, um, the carpeting from any collateral damage. And I just sort of coach myself through that it, it is the best choice going through the front door and zipping across the carpet is the best choice versus a longer way around that avoids the carpet. But I really just didn't, I didn't think that there was, that there was time and that I might end up with a, with a more, more collateral damage if I choose the other route. And so I just, I just talked to myself through that versus you're never going to make it. What if you get poo on the carpet? What are you going to do? How will you clean it? Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Nope. Just talk to myself through it. Like you would someone who is going through something difficult who ultimately needs to be taken by the elbow and directed. Nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to take the most direct route. We're just going to make make quick work of it. It's going to be okay. Just zip across the carpet and get to the bathroom. So I get to the bathroom and I strip everything off. And, you know, I just, I'm grateful that, that I make it to the bathtub and that I can take care of the situation. Um, I'm grateful to have a place to clean up and a washer close by to put everything in and, and bleach for the tub. And I just work through it and talk myself through it and feed the good wolf with compassion, with compassion. The evil wolf, if I were to have fed it, would have said, this is horrible. Look at all this literal shit. What a catastrophe. This is so nasty. Oh my God. It's not supposed to be poo in the shower. The shower is for being clean. Who belongs in the toilet? This is disgusting. You're disgusting. Oh my God. Uh, hmm. 
well, I've, I've, I've done that. I've done that before. And I have to say that, you know, some of the trauma that I've held over the public booty storms that I've had, I can tell is related to the way that I spoke to myself, that conditioned mind spoke to me um, and in feeding the evil wolf. Because this situation, the the outcome of it for me was actually quite different than the outcomes that I've had in the past. So afterwards, um, you know, I've taken care of everything and I'm drained. I am drained. I feel, I feel drained, of course. I also feel grateful that there was no lasting collateral damage really to anything, not to the bathroom, not to the rug, not to, I salvaged my clothing. Um, and ultimately not to me. Now I could have, I could have been damaged. I could have been harmed, but I wasn't. I treated myself with gentle compassion as I would someone who just went through what I went through. If you were with someone you love and they, and they had a pooty storm in public and had to go through what I just went through, I would be checking on them to, to make sure they're okay. I might, if, uh, if it, if the situation seemed to warrant it, I might introduce some humor, which I do remember having a laugh. Um, I thought about my brother. I thought about telling my brother about it, perhaps, um, you know, we, we, we both have some, some challenges in this area. And, um, and so I thought about telling him and it made me laugh. And so, you know, if I'm taking care of someone else and supporting someone else, I, I might, I might make them laugh, which I remember made me feel a little bit better. Um, now if I was feeding the evil wolf, I would have run through the experience in my mind, awfulizing it, creating feelings of despair and humiliation and regret that don't actually exist in compassion. When you're compassionate toward yourself, there's no reason for despair or humiliation or regret. Compassion is kind of the antidote for those things. And when my mom returned home, you know, I was interested in her evening and, and I'm kind of, I'm practicing. I'm, I'm cognizant of the fact that I'm practicing something new and then I'm not going to tell the story in wild detail with all my descriptive language. I'm actually not going to do that because I'm practicing something different. And so when she comes home, I'm interested in her evening. And, you know, I'm also kind of projecting my projecting, protecting my fragile new practice of not awfulizing and ingraining an experience that doesn't need to be awfulized or ingrained. Um, and also that doesn't help me. And, you know, the evil, if I'm feeding the evil wolf conditioned mind is, is, and it did say, you know, it seems kind of weird for you to have had this experience and not tell her, even though you're practicing something new, but in this life, I do choose myself. I don't do what I think I should do because it seems weird because it seems like it'll be hard to explain or because I think it's what the other person would want or the other person would under, I don't do, I just don't do any of that anymore. I just choose what is best for myself by noticing my thoughts and allowing my emotions to flow through me, but not necessarily believing the thoughts 
nor acting on the emotions, which are sensations that if they are allowed to happen, do flow through. And in a relatively short period of time, they dissipate and they're, they're done and gone. They might come again and flow through again, but then they will also be gone. So in this particular experience, this particular booty storm that I had, there was no narrative. I didn't, I didn't create a story about it. It was just an experience that is now in the past. And of all of the public booty storm experiences I've had, even though the scale of the, (laughs) the scale of the not making it, let's say, um, was uh, large. It was a large scale booty storm. It feels the least traumatic. And I, I even like, even the next day, I didn't really think about it. And I haven't thought about it very much since other than to acknowledge how different it feels and how different I feel about it. And I did tell, I did eventually tell my brother and I told a friend, but it was specifically around how to change your narrative in order to change your experience, right? So the other narrative, the evil wolf narrative is you are broken. Your body's broken. That stupid cancer. Oh, you'll never be the same. Your life revolves around the bathroom. This is terrible. Blah, blah, blah. blah. I did. I didn't do any of that. I didn't do any of that because guess what? Pooping my pants in public does not mean I have to suffer. It just means I poop my pants in public. That's all. So that's all we have time for today. Um, So this week, what are you feeding? What are you feeding? The good wolf or the evil wolf? So let's practice together. You can find me at giraffetangooctopus.com across social media at GTO coaching. I hope you've heard something that's been helpful. I love making the show for you. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.